let's talk about George Soros for a moment. A lot of you will have definitely heard of George Soros by now uh, via, you know, any number of different means, uh, including, you know, conservative media, alt media on YouTube, uh, you know, the mainstream media. And between each of these avenues of media, you'll notice a distinctly different flavor of analysis and depiction when it comes to George Soros. There's a lot of things about George Soros that people don't know on a wide scale. Uh, he tends to be portrayed in the mainstream media as a philanthropist, a successful businessman, and in general, a you know, morally upright, you know, uh, normal human being. On uh, alternative media, you tend to see him portrayed, uh, you know, closer to what he actually is. And uh, you hear people talk about the way that he will heartlessly and ruthlessly manipulate currencies, manipulate world markets using the massive amount of money that he controls, uh, generally by using short-selling tactics or derivative tactics or, uh, you know, speculation tactics, uh, market manipulation tactics. Uh, he tends to really cause a lot of problems for a lot of people and to hurt a lot of people while at the same time making a lot of money with his transactions. And on top of this, uh, it's interesting because when you listen to him actually talk, he will tell you that he understands that what he is doing is amoral. Uh, I personally think that it's immoral. He'll refer to it as amoral, which just simply means without morals. Uh, I tend to think that he knows exactly what he's doing, uh, and he understands that it is a, you know, inherently bad, wrong thing to do to cause millions of people unnecessary suffering uh, with the only purpose of enriching yourself and the people that you work for. It's really important to understand when talking about prominent, uh, you know, financial leaders, political leaders, social leaders, these types of individuals, it's really important to look at them for who they actually are and to understand them on a deeper level than the facade that they portray outwardly. And it takes a really, really uh, detailed knowledge of how to read people, of how to understand people, of how to listen to inflections, uh, to look at their words and their actions on a larger scale, on a larger scope, to look at how their words match their actions, and if they do, or if they contradict one another. It really is a skill that takes time to develop. It's something that I've become really, really good at, mainly because of things that I've had to deal with in the past where being able to read people, being able to read what's in their eyes, being able to read what the small inflections in their voice means, uh, the subtlety of the words that they choose, being able to read and understand those things was often the difference for me between uh, severe injury and or death and survival. And this is why I kind of pride myself on being very good at this specific skill. And that is seeing through the bullshit and seeing people for who they really are as human beings. How they feel, what they're thinking, uh, what they're truly thinking inside their own head. And oftentimes, you know, what we think inside of our own heads, how we feel about things, uh, we will mislead people as to what is really going on there. Uh, with our outward behavior. 
And you will know that this is true in a very, very widespread sense, even in your own life. I mean, how often does your outward actions uh, conflict with what you actually think or you actually feel inside your own mind? So when I look at George Soros, uh, I find him to be a very interesting case study because for the long time, he really, really, you know, there's not that much material on him. There's, and especially, there's not a lot of material where you can actually uh, attempt to read him as a human being. Uh, I will follow this little introduction, this little analysis with one of those few pieces that I've managed to find where you can actually attempt to read him as a human being. For a long time, I thought that he was simply, you know, maybe just evil. Maybe he was a, uh, a psychopath, you know, maybe he was very evil. Maybe he took pride in human suffering. And, you know, I still think that this is a possibility. I look at his history, uh, you know, and you can do your own research there as far as his history, and I'll get into a little bit of that a little bit later. Uh, you look into his, you know, immediate past, his mid-range past, and how he got to where he is now, how he became rich beyond measure. Uh, and that's one thing about George Soros that a lot of people don't understand is that the way that he has structured his assets, I mean, he's a financial, I don't want to say genius. He's a, he's a financial genius in the way that a... Uh, sociopathic murderer, serial killer, is a genius, right? He probably has a very, very high IQ and is very, very good at solving problems, at getting what he wants, but you don't know that the, the problems that he's solving or the things that he's getting are necessarily beneficial to you or anyone else around you. Uh, in fact, most likely, the things that he's doing are going to be beneficial to him. And some of his comments, some of his quotes will definitely reflect that worldview, that self-interest overrides all other factors when it comes to being a human being. And I think that this vein of selfishness, of enriching oneself at the expense of others, is a predominant theme in George Soros's life. And it's been a consistent thread that has kind of wound, kind of wound everything together. Because even when he donates his billions of dollars, which he does, uh, you know, to different causes, to different, you know, allegedly uh, philanthropist causes, you know, noble causes, just causes, causes in the name of quote-unquote democracy, humanitarian aid, education, these types of things. When you look at the causes that he supports, and I've actually posted a link in the description of this video to some different organizations that he has funded through his Open Society Foundation. This is the uh, you know, the charitable arm of Soros's uh, empire. And you look at what he funds, and it is very, very much consistently in line with George Soros's desires, with his self-interest in mind. Uh, you can talk about something like, oh, well, he funded, um, you know, uh, the YWCA. He funded the YWCA. And you'd be hard-pressed to really find anything negative about the YWCA until you dig a little bit deeper and you understand that the YWCA is pursuing a very specific political agenda in a lot of different areas. And when you look at all the different organizations that George Soros funds, you will find this common theme of political agenda. Um, not simply doing things for the good of people, 
but only doing things to further a political, very specific political agenda. And it doesn't take a lot of research or a lot of brains to understand what that political agenda is. It involves dismantling uh, the United States in its current form, uh, dismantling in, you know, nation states and promoting a one world uh, society or an open society as he would call it. Uh, and just a sidebar here, George Soros is very, very good at rhetoric. He's very, very good at using words um, that's, you know, stringing words together that sound very, very good and very, very interesting and very, very um, kind of esoteric and mystical and idealistic and inspiring. He strings those words together, but when you look at what they actually are, what they actually mean in practice, uh, oftentimes it comes out to something that is very, very ugly and very, very um, harmful to a lot of people and will cause a lot of pain and a lot of suffering in the world. So the organizations that he funds, you know, these are organizations like Black Lives Matter, right? Like moveon.org. Uh, he gives a lot of money to politicians like Hillary Clinton. Uh, he gives a lot of money to organizations that are centered around so-called progressive politics or you know leftist politics. And the idea is to promote the leftist or so-called progressive worldview, which is in reality simply a uh, social Marxist, uh, communist or socialist worldview at its core. And this is what you really need to know about George Soros, is the fact that he thinks that human beings, you know, are not necessarily inherently good, or that they do not necessarily have the inherent um, uh, desire for the well-being of others within them. That in fact, human beings are overridden by self-interest before all else. And because of this, you can never trust normal human beings to do things that are good for the whole of humanity. And it's interesting because it's very hypocritical because George Soros is, in fact, a human being. But what you realize is that he does not view himself as such. He views himself as a demigod or someone who is omniscient or omnipotent or above you know, the common rule of law, of law or above the common human, you know, moral, philosophical, uh, behavioral sphere. He places himself as above that. And this is something that is often uh, common in, you know, when you're dealing with sociopaths, especially very, very intelligent sociopaths, that view that uh, normal, you know, mortal human beings cannot be trusted to uh, do what is best for the whole of humanity. That idea causes him to really fascinate, you know, it really fascinates him this idea of like a global um, Marxist socialist society wherein the average human beings, you know, the, just the, the regular mortals, the regular guys like you and me, wherein they are controlled and their social structure, economic structure, general living structure uh, is essentially ruled over by this ruling class who know what is better for the masses than they do. Now this is why I really just can't stand George Soros is because this is where you see his political uh, money going towards ideas like this, towards you know socialist breaking down of individual rights, um, breaking down of structures around freedom, uh, structures around self-defense, 
breaking down legal structures, um, law enforcement structures, and uh, financial structures, breaking down, and political structures, breaking these things down and consolidating them into larger holes. Essentially, you know, taking all of the small banks and turning them into one super bank, or taking all of the, um, you know, political ideas that are disparate and kind of disorganized and kind of centralizing them around one message. So this is what he's kind of a master of doing, is breaking things apart and then trying to restructuring, re rebuilding them the way that he wants them. That's what he's trying to do with the United States right now, is he's really trying to uh, incite a civil unrest between essentially races, you know, but it really comes down to the political left and the political right. And he really wants to incite a lot of uh, conflict between those two sides so that eventually it will break down and there will be, you know, I don't know if, I don't want to say civil war or something like that, but eventually the power structure or the governmental structure, the constitutional structure of the United States will break down and it will be able to be replaced with something uh, better that he sees as better. Now, I have a problem with this because I believe in personal freedom and personal choice and that each human being should be in charge of what they do and that, you know, this is a kind of a sacred or inherent right that human beings possess, the power of choice, the power of self-determination. This is something that I believe in very, very passionately and I believe that if you try to take that away from somebody, the power of self-determination, uh, you're doing it a very evil and immoral bad thing. Um, and people like George Soros, they don't see a problem with that. They don't see a problem with taking away people's freedom. They don't see a problem with dictating what people do or how people live. Because they think somehow that by doing that, they're going to help. They're going to help the people, right? Uh, it's, it's just something that is very, very kind of sinister because it's an idea that you can, you know, it's what, it's what the Russians got into, you know, it's what the, the Leninists got into back in the day when, uh, you know, socialism, communism took over and the way it took over is essentially by telling the people who were less fortunate, the people who were less successful, that they were allowed to go and murder the successful people in their towns and to take everything that they had. And it was very much a class warfare type of deal. And we saw, you know, tens of millions of people being killed inside Russia throughout the whole, um, you know, period of Leninism, Stalinism, uh, communism that uh, plagued the Soviet Union for, you know, uh, almost 80 years. So we've seen this experiment in action. Uh, we've seen it in action. We see it in North Korea. We've seen it in the Soviet Union. Um, we've seen it, uh, a couple other examples of it well, and it fails because people at their core, I don't believe, are I don't believe that human beings are necessarily compatible with the communist or the socialist ideal. Uh, just the things that, he, the way that human beings would have to become in order to make communism or socialism work and for people to be happy with it or happy within it, it's just, it's not, I don't think it's realistic. You know, you need a, a less intelligent species, less energetic, less active, less inspired species 
to make it work. I mean, you can do it with cows. You can definitely do it with cows. But you can't do it with human beings because human beings want to strive for more. Human beings want to achieve their potential. And any you know, socialist or communist system, it, it, the inherent system will limit people's potential and limit what they can and can't do uh, in their life to a much greater degree than any type of you know, capitalist or free system that relies on you know, libertarian system uh, that relies on you know, individual freedom and individual rights to dictate the actions or the policies of the government. So uh, I ramble a little bit here, but I really do have a profound uh, distaste for the worldview that George Soros prevent, uh, presents. And I'm going to uh, go through here, and I'm just going to read a couple of quotes that George Soros has made that I find to be especially telling. And I won't try to explain each one too much. I'll just go ahead and read them out here. Uh, the main enemy of the open society, and the open society is a goal of George Soros. The open society is the one world Marxist, socialist, communist government with an autocratic ruling class. The main enemy of the open society, I believe, is no longer the communist, but the capitalist threat. And this is why you see so much of his money going towards causes that seek to destabilize capitalist, uh, free countries that are based on premises of liberty and individual rights. Uh, globalization has rendered the world increasingly interdependent, but international politics is still based on the sovereignty of states. And I watched, uh, you know, I watched the tape where he said this, and you can see the distaste on his face. This, he was saying this um, as if it was a problem, right? International politics is, politics is still based on the sovereignty of states. It's like, come on, aren't we past this? Aren't we past this whole sovereignty of states idea? Uh, here's another quote. If we care about universal principles such as freedom, democracy, and the rule of law, we cannot leave them to the care of market forces. We must establish some other institutions to safeguard them. Hmm, interesting. And when he's saying market forces, what he really means is free market, a free market, a capitalist market, a, uh, you know, a market like we kind of see. You know, it's, it's changing because of influences like George Soros. You see the markets changing from something that was uh, at once very, very free, uh, very, very much you know, uh, fostered free enterprise and free, uh, free commerce, you know, we see that changing subtly over the last uh, 20 years or so because of people like George Soros. But still, uh, we do have a very much a free market system in the West. And this is something that George Soros sees as a problem. He sees market forces as um, something that cannot, uh, you know, safely determine principles such as freedom, democracy, and the rule of law. Uh, meaning that they can't be determined by the prevailing opinion. They have to be safeguarded by some higher institution. Here's another quote. The generally accepted view is that markets are always right. That is, market prices tend to discount future developments accurately, even when it is unclear what those developments are. I start with the opposite view. I believe the market prices are always wrong in the sense that they present a biased view of the future. This is very, very interesting because if you know anything about a free market system, it's the fact that uh, the free market will determine what is successful and what is not, what ideas, what products, what services, 
you know, what behaviors, um, you know, what laws, things like that are successful and which are not. Because people ultimately will determine, I don't like this product for this price, I'm going to buy this other product for this price. I don't appreciate this service that is being provided to me by this institution. I'm going to take my business to a different institution. And therefore, people are able to um, in require greater effort and greater production from the people that want their money, the people that want their attention, uh, than otherwise, because it's dependent on market forces. It's dependent on what people want. Okay, and this is the problem that George Soros has, is that he sees people wanting the wrong things, in his view. Uh, he sees that people, especially in the West, want the wrong thing. So how do you solve that? By removing the free market where the desire or the, you know, the free choice of the individual is the driving factor. Remove that and don't give them that choice. Don't give them that freedom of choice. Uh, here's another quote. The main obstacle to a stable and just world order is the United States. This idea happens to coincide with the prevailing opinion in the world, and I think that's rather shocking for Americans to hear. <laughs> um, I, would, I would provide a counter-argument to that and say that, um, you know, the United States is a force that can provide stability in the world. Um, it just hasn't lately because of people like George Soros who have infiltrated and dismantled quite a bit of the, uh, the great things about our country, you know, and have kind of uh, destroyed a lot of the values that our country was founded on. And this is why you see George Soros trying to attack and destroy the United States in its current form. Uh, and he has succeeded, especially over the last year or so. This is why you see him trying to incite violence and uh, discord between different sides in American politics, between different races, between people of different beliefs and different, you know, different anything. He wants a lot of his money goes, goes towards um, really fostering that discord and that uh, conflict within the United States. This is because he believes that a strong and united uh, American people, you know, a strong and united uh, United States is a threat to his new world order. Uh, here's another quote. I am for maximum supervision and minimum regulation. Oh, what, what, this is George Soros in an absolute nutshell, in an absolute nutshell. <laughs> Wordplay, rhetoric, you know, it's something that he prides, in, you can tell that he prides himself on. Every project that he's involved in, you see the uh, use of rhetoric. Look at Black Lives Matter. You know, there's no substance. There's no real argument. It's just all rhetoric. It's all idealism. It's all rhetoric. It's all abstract. There's nothing specific. Uh, it's just designed to uh, induce a feeling. It really is manipulation. And that's, that's what I notice about George Soros, is that he's really good at manipulating people through their emotions. Uh, this is something that you see, you know, emotional abusers get really, really good at as they learn how to use people's emotions and feelings against them. And this is something that he does with a lot of his words is he inspires a good feeling because the things that he's saying um, on the surface are like, yeah, that's, yeah, okay, yeah. Supervision is good. You know, regulation, yeah, it's not. Yeah, I get that, right? But what he's really saying is, He's just exchanging the two words. 
freely. You could say, I am for maximum regulation and minimum supervision. It would mean the exact same thing as if you said, I am for maximum supervision and minimum regulation. Supervision and regulation are, are two words that can be essentially interchanged. And depending on the inflection, can mean almost the exact same thing. This is, this is wordplay. This is rhetoric. And it is an art. And he's very good at it. This is why you have to look deeper at the things that he says. But most people are so, so kind of like they don't care enough or they're too ignorant to really like look at this type of thing for what it is and to really read the person, to look through the surface of the words to what they actually mean. Uh, and this is, this is, I find, a very, very telling quote. He says, I was a human being before I became a businessman. Well, that is George Soros in a nutshell. So in, sum in summary, you know, this guy George Soros, you're going to be hearing an increasing amount about him uh, and what he does. And some of it's going to be very positive. It's going to be spun very positive. Some of it's going to be spun very negative. And the stuff that's going to be spun very positive is generally going to be from the mainstream media. The stuff that is going to be spun very negative is generally going to be from the alternative media. And I tend to believe that the alternative media is going to be more truthful than the mainstream media when it comes to the subject of George Soros, mainly because he does not exert as much influence in the alternative media uh, as he does in the mainstream media. One of the reasons, you know, I'd, I would say that George Soros is probably the single biggest backer and supporter of Hillary Clinton and helped her politically um, to get where she is and to, you know, uh, get the presidential election or get the uh, pres uh, Democratic nomination um, and to campaign in the way that she did and to get the support of a lot of people that she did and to get a lot of money from a lot of the people that she did. Uh, and that's why when you look at Hillary's emails as Secretary of State, you can find George Soros instructing Hillary on who to appoint for which position. So this is a guy who has a lot of power. He has a lot of uh, control over a lot of people. And his desires, once you see them for what they are, and they're not that hard to see. All you have to do is look at where his money goes. And he will say, oh, this is philanthropic work. This is, uh, this is me being charitable. This is me trying to do good in the world. And he's even telling the truth when he says that because his idea of good in the world is a very specific idea of good in the world. And that is to dismantle governments, uh, countries that support and prop up and defend ideas of personal free choice, self-determination, liberty, individual rights, free market forces, true capitalism, uh, you know, true democracy, these types of ideas, and to replace them, replace them with power structures that do not allow for the, uh, you know, individual rights, individual self-determination, uh, free markets, essentially communist totalitarian government. And I'm sure that he sees himself or his children as the caretakers, as the benevolent, uh, omnipotent beings who will be at the top of this new power structure and who will gloriously lead human beings into a new era of fulfillment 
and peace and prosperity by taking away their free choice and by taking away the very things that make human beings so amazing is their ability to be different, their ability to make mistakes, their ability to learn from their mistakes. Um, you don't have any, you know, you wouldn't see all of the great amazing things that human beings have accomplished if many, many other human beings had not also failed miserably and done terrible, despicable things. And it's this spectrum that I find to be one of the most beautiful things about humanity. The fact that human beings are capable of despicable, disgusting things, you know, terrible things, but also amazing and beautiful and awe-inspiring things. And that's what really gives life meaning. That's what really gives life as a human you know, being meaning, is that spectrum of everything that it means to be human. And anybody who steps in and tries to remove the scope or lower the scope of that spectrum, yes, you're going to be removing um, a lot of the negative spectrum from the scope of possibility, but you can't do that without also eliminating a lot of the positive spectrum. And this is something that I'll never stand for. This is something that I'll, I will always fight against. And this is why I believe people like George Soros need to be revealed for what they are and what they're trying to do. And the truth needs to be told about them. And people need to see their goals, their aims, their ambitions for what they really are, rather than these people being able to work in the shadows and uh, exert their influence in rhetorical and uh, you know, subtle and confusing, deceptive means that on the surface, ooh, they look great to a lot of people, but at their core, they are pushing in a very, very sinister direction. That if people really knew what they were going for, if they really kind of caught a glimpse of it, the vast majority of human beings, not just people you know, in the Western, uh, you know, the, uh, in the West, would be against but all of human beings would be vastly uh, against these ideas. So this is, uh, this is my idea of George Soros, and I'm going to leave you with a interview uh, that I found of him. And you can kind of make your own determinations. I want you to make your own determinations for this man and all other men and women and people and come to your own conclusions, but strive to see people for who they are. And don't take people at face value. Look into their eyes, hear the inflection of their voice, look at their actions in comparison to their words to see if they are genuine. Of all the financial titans and philanthropists of the 20th century, none are more complex or mysterious than George Soros. Like Carnegie, J.P. Morgan, and the Rockefellers, he amassed billions through ruthless business decisions only to turn around and give away most of his fortune to advance his own personal philosophy. He can move world financial markets simply by voicing an opinion or destabilize a government by buying and selling its currency. He also pledged more aid last year to help people in Russia than the U.S. government did. But now George Soros is worried. He thinks the global economy is coming apart at the seams and that the world needs to be protected from people like George Soros. We may now think that everything is fine, but the fact is that the system is broke and it needs fixing. What you're doing is, is, is asking uh, some form of regulation to protect the world against you. Well, I am a player, and I think all players should be regulated. There have to be rules of the game. Take 81,000 to buy. 
Right now, his quantum group hedge fund moves $14 billion of rich investors' money around the world every day, looking for profits and answering to no one. Soros makes huge bets on whole countries and economies. Last year, when he saw cracks in the Asia boom, he began selling the currency in Thailand. Traders in Hong Kong followed suit, triggering a financial crisis that plunged much of Asia into a depression. In the last two years, you've been blamed for financial collapse of Thailand, Malaysia, Indonesia, Japan, and Russia. All of the, all of the above. All of the above. Yeah, yeah. Are you that powerful? No, I think there's a great misunderstanding. The Prime Minister of, of Malaysia yes. um, said that the region spent 40 years trying to build up its economy, and along comes a moron like Soros right. with a lot of money, and it's all over. He called you a criminal. It's easier for him to blame an outside force <clears throat> than to admit that they were mismanaging uh, their economy and their currency. The uh, French finance minister uh, talked about hanging uh, speculators from lampposts. Soros says the Asian currencies would have collapsed even if he hadn't been in the market. They were overvalued. He says people tend to follow his lead because he's been so successful. I think that uh, I've been blamed for everything. I am basically there to, uh, to make money. I cannot and do not look at the social consequences of, of what I do. This man is uh, a carnivore of the first order. Jim Grant is the editor of Grant's Interest Rate Observer and one of Wall Street's most respected analysts. He never tires of watching Soros, in part because of the huge bets he's willing to place on his hunches. He has um, always amazed the people he's worked with at his audacity and his willingness to back up his commitments with enormous sums of money. It causes the blood to drain from ordinary mortals' faces. Like risking $2 billion in Russia. When the Russian market began falling apart in August, Soros was the country's single largest investor. He called the U.S. Treasury and asked Uncle Sam for $7 billion to prop up the ruble. When U.S. officials failed to intervene, Soros wrote a letter to the Financial Times of London saying he thought the Russian currency should be devalued by as much as 25%. A few words from Soros were enough to cause panic selling that fueled the crash. What's it like to have a statement that you make have such serious, grievous consequences? I mean, you can, it, it looks to me like in a number of situations, you can take a position against a currency or make a statement, and the whole country falls apart. Well, it's a tremendous sense of responsibility, actually. Uh, and, it, and it's also a humbling experience because I am actually trying to uh, do the right thing and sometimes what I do uh, has an unintended negative consequence as it did in, in Russia. For both the Russian middle class and for Soros, who lost his $2 billion. Whatever his motivations, no one can accuse him of greed. He's backed away from the day-to-day -day operation of his businesses and is giving away his billions now with the same determination that he made them in places like Haiti, a country that has less money in the bank than he does. Last month, he brought the First Lady with him for a look at some of the projects his foundation is funding. This is Mr. George Soros, and uh, he's going to be helping the hospital. This year, Soros plans to give away almost $500 million around the world.
In Bosnia, when the water supply to Sarajevo was cut off at the height of the siege, it was Soros who wrote a check to jury-rig a pipeline through an abandoned highway tunnel. Five million dollars up front can be more valuable than 50 million dollars a year or two later. Ambassador Richard Holbrook brokered the peace in Bosnia. At one point, after the Dayton peace agreements in Bosnia in 1995, for, for a considerable period of time, George had given more money to implement the peace agreements than the U.S. government had. He just could move that fast. In Russia, he pledged $100 million to help scientists who might otherwise have sold their expertise to bidders like Iran or Iraq. In Eastern Europe, he's educated a new generation. And in Ukraine, he spent millions retraining the old Soviet military. At the center of George Soros, there's an inherent contradiction. Which is? Which is, on one hand, uh, you're, the, you're the capitalist who does not care about the social consequences of his act. And on the other hand, you are a philanthropist who cares only about social consequences. How do you resolve the two? Recognizing that, that uh, as, a, as a competitor, I've got to compete to win. As a human being, I, can, I, I am concerned about the society in which I live. Which George Soros am I talking to now? The amoral George Soros or the, the moral George Soros? Uh, it's one person. It's one person who at one time engages in amoral activities and at the rest of the, the time tries to be moral. To understand the complexities and contradictions in his personality, you have to go back to the very beginning, to Budapest, where George Soros was born 68 years ago to parents who were wealthy, well-educated, and Jewish. When the Nazis occupied Budapest in 1944, George Soros's father was a successful lawyer. He lived on an island in the Danube and liked to commute to work in a rowboat. But knowing there were problems ahead for the Jews, he decided to split his family up. He bought them forged papers, and he bribed a government official to take 14-year-old George Soros in and swear that he was his Christian godson. But survival carried a heavy price tag. While hundreds of thousands of Hungarian Jews were being shipped off to the death camps, George Soros accompanied his phony godfather on his appointed rounds, confiscating property from the Jews. These are pictures from 1944 of what happened to George Soros's friends and neighbors. You're a... Hungarian Jew mm -hmm. who escaped the Holocaust mm -hmm. by posing as a, a Christian. Right. And you watched lots of people get shipped off to the death camps. Right. I was 14 years old. And I would say that that's when my character was made. In what way? That one should think ahead, one should understand and, and anticipate events. Uh, and uh, one, one is threatened. It was a tremendous threat of evil. I mean, it was a, a very personal experience of evil. My understanding is, is that you went out with this protector of yours who swore that you were uh, his adopted godson. Yes, yes. Went out, in fact, and helped in the confiscation of property yes. from the Jews. That's right. I mean, that's, that sounds uh, like an experience that would send lots of people to the psychiatric couch for many, many years. Was it difficult? Uh, uh, not, not, not at all. Not at all. It, uh, maybe as a child you don't, you don't see the connection, uh, but it, was, it created no, no problem at all. No feeling of guilt? No. 
for example, that uh, I'm Jewish, uh, and here I am watching these people go, I could just as easily be there, I should be there, none of that. Well, uh, of course, I, uh, I could be on the other side, or I could be the one from whom it, the thing is being taken away. Uh, um, but there was no sense that I shouldn't be there, because uh, that was... Uh, uh, well, actually, in a funny way, it's just like in markets, that if I weren't there, of course I wasn't doing it, but somebody else would, 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 would be taking it away anyhow. In other words, the, whether I was there or not, I was only a spectator, the property was being taken away. So the, I had no role in taking away that property. So I had no sense of guilt. Are you religious? No. Do you believe in God? Soros told us he believes God was created by man, not the other way around, which may be why he thinks he can smooth out the world's imperfections. When we went with him to Ukraine, he was treated like a visiting head of state and was received by the president. Then he was received by the prime minister and finally the central bank. 20% in cash. They even allowed him to look at the books and asked him for advice. Lots of people want George Soros's advice, most recently, South African President Nelson Mandela. Actually, President Mandela uh, asked me how could South Africa protect itself against speculators like you? And I told him, I wrote him a memo, trying to give him the best advice I could, uh, how to uh, uh, reduce the, the, the uh, exposure of South Africa to, to speculative attack. That's the old stop me before, before I kill again approach, right? Well, You're telling this is what you can do to stop me. Whether I or somebody else uh, does whatever is happening in the markets, it really doesn't make any difference to the outcome. I don't feel guilty because I'm engaged in an amoral activity which is not meant to have anything to do with guilt. Part of the reason he is so rich is that the Soros hedge funds operate offshore in the Netherlands Antilles to avoid scrutiny by the Securities and Exchange Commission. So even while Soros tells Congress and the Treasury that hedge funds must be regulated to stop the global crisis, he's avoiding the rules. Why is it that, uh, that Americans can't invest in the quantum fund? That's an offshore fund. Why is that? Because the fund is not registered with the Securities and Exchange Commission. Uh, so so uh, uh, we, we are not... Licensed to do business in the United States. That's right. Because? Be because we are not registered with the Securities and Exchange Commission. Because we, we find it more convenient to operate without it. So in some ways it's to escape regulation. Yeah, that's right. you've been sitting here talking about uh, the need for regulation. Yes, and whatever regulations are imposed, we will obey, we will, we will, we, we already confirm to every, uh, conform to everything. If the beneficiaries of Soros's billions do not understand the intricacies of SEC rules and offshore hedge funds, they do understand what he's done for them. The president of Haiti is reading his new book, The Crisis of Global Capitalism. And so is President Clinton. Will all the attention spoil George Soros? 
George Soros, in a way, is, uh, is Donald Trump without the humility. <laughs> One of your money manager told us uh, uh, that, uh, you know, uh, George really does think he's a god. <laughs> I mean, if you think that you're a god and you go into financial markets, you are bound to come out broke. So the fact that I'm not broke shows that I don't believe that I'm god. Mm -hmm.